This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Jump, jump, the Mac Dad'll make ya jump, jump. A Daddy Mac'll make ya jump, jump. A crisscross will make ya jump, jump. Start, jump, start. Set review. <laughs> That's the episode today, everyone. How's it going? Welcome to the show. It's the Command Zone podcast. You're either watching or listening, and I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Quine. <laughs> Is crisscross the ones that wear their clothes inside out or backwards? Uh, I, I, why are you looking at me? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I, you I, were probably I, like four years old. I was, uh, <laughs> I think I was in like early high school. I have no idea. It was either inside out or backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, you might not even know that song exists. I'm sure there's a lot of reviewership that does. Um, today, we are covering Jumpstart, the rest of the card. We spent last week's episode talking about the legendary creatures. And today, fortunately, not as many, uh, but there are some new cards in the set as well, actually. 37 new cards. Yeah, but some of those are the legendary creatures. So there's only like, I think there's 10 legendary creatures. So there's like 27. Yeah. We might be wrong about these numbers, but there's very few new cards in the set that aren't legendary creatures. However, there are enough we thought to make an episode about, so that's what we're talking about today, cards from Jumpstart that can go in your 99. Now, if you want to get your hands on any of these cards or any of the cards from M21, if you want to try and open that Grim Tutor yeah, in the booster pack, you want to yes. get those, uh, those M21 booster boxes, <laughs> uh, Jumpstart has... Craterhoof Behemoths and all kinds of cool stuff in it. If you want to get your hands on any of it, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That is the affiliate link you should use whenever you order magic product singles or mm -hmm. if you're pre-ordering. Whenever you're getting any of your magic stuff, you know you're going to buy it anyway. If you just use that affiliate link when you do, you're simultaneously supporting this show, the pot the podcast this is the podcast <laughs> game nights all of our content you really are helping us out when you do that yeah and you know we always talk about ultra pro on the show and how much josh and i trust them but did you know that outside of just doing the new art every single time a set comes out they also just have blank white play mats and yeah they have, they have colored play mats right you can really customize your play experience in fact if you're an artist you can draw on the white play mats. Oh, i've yeah. seen people take them to conventions and get them drawn by all kinds of cool artists around the convention or just get them signed so ultra pro is the other sponsor of the show it's the it's the one that we josh and i have trusted for going on 20 plus years now i still have top loaders from when i was a kid i love ultra pro and of course putting them to brand new eclipse sleeves when you get those cards and protecting them super important so you're also supporting the show if you go buy some ultra pro product at cardkingcom slash command zone your local game store or any big box retailer and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. Patreons are qualified for all kinds of perks like uh, hanging out with Jimmy and I on our Discord yeah. each and every day. Also, patrons get to see game nights a day before the general public, which means the most recent episode. Have you watched it yet? It's, uh, a, really, it's a really cool one. It's a good game. Pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we won't give anything away here, but... If you were a patron, you would have watched it earlier, even <laughs> than you watched it, if you already have watched it, but you're not a patron. Yeah. That totally made sense. But also, <laughs> but also another thing we do is we call out one lucky patron every single episode. Ah, uh, yes. And this episode is dedicated to... Taylor, Taylor Safford. Safford. Taylor, 
You rock. You do rock. Thank you, Taylor, for all your support. And everyone else, of course, as a patron. All right. Yeah, let's get into it because we don't need another 90 minutes at review. I think we can get no, the, hopefully through this we, in like 40 minutes. No, yes. Okay. So okay. <laughs> jump start. We're going to jump, jump right into it. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start off actually with a new cycle of lands. Oh, right. Very interesting. These are the common lands in uh, a lot of the boosters and the jumpstart boosters have these. They're, we're calling them the thriving lands, choice lands. I don't really know what to name them. Whatever people end up calling them, that's what we'll call them. For now, thriving, whatever, because they all have the word thriving and then another word. So the, yep. the one we're going to use as an example is thriving bluff. Yep. This is the red one. But there's also thriving more, thriving isle, thriving grove, and thriving whatever the white one is. We didn't write it down. Hurry up. Uh, heath, heath, heath. Flying heath. Thriving like windswept. Heath. Like windswept. Okay. So thriving bluff <laughs> is the red one, but there's one for each color. Again, it's a land, enters the battlefield tapped. As it enters the battlefield, though, you choose a color other than red in this case. If it's Heath, you'll choose a color other than white. Right. And then you can tap the thriving whatever to add, in this case, red or one mana of the chosen color. So basically, ah. all the thriving lands, they always have one color, and then you choose the other color they're going to tap for. That's interesting. Pretty cool. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see this being played in, I would say, three plus color decks, but on the three side, it's even a little like, oh, you might have better choices than just getting like a scry land, for instance. But I like the utility of this because, you know, you draw an opening hand, you have a thriving bluff, and you don't have any of your other third color or your second yeah, color. exactly. There you go. Now you have it. Yeah, because... Either one, like let's say you're playing in a teamer deck mm -hmm. and you've got blue. So either one that you don't have, like if you have two red sources, but no green in there, yeah. then you're going to choose green here. But vice versa, you could go the other way. So it does give you flexibility. That's definitely worth something. It's hard for me to tell exactly how much because these enter the battlefield tapped. That's it. There's no like, hey, reveal a swamp or right. have two lands right. or whatever else. No, they're just like guild gates. They enter the battlefield tapped. And I suppose guild gates kind of the comparison we should make here. These are definitely better than a guild gate, but by how much? I would say you don't want to run these in a two-color deck. That's for sure. That's yeah. just a no. Three-color is when you start to be interested in these because, again, like you run into those awkward situations where you draw your opening seven but only have two of your three colors but a thriving land, so that helps you get there. So I'd say these are actually a a decent amount better than a guild gate because a guild gate just doesn't do anything this at least gives you the choice to be like oh cool i have this blue 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 spell in my hand i gotta get another blue source drove drove draw thriving bluff or whatever it is well great i can actually get that yeah that's actually a good point too you can drive it or draw it after the fact mm -hmm. and it'll fix you because how many times you've been in a situation where you're like i just need one more blue and then you draw you draw the dual land but <laughs> it's for the other two colors yeah. and you're like, crap Correct. this will in that case give you the, the color that you need yeah um you can't fetch it out, though. Uh, it does come in the, the battlefield tapped. I, I would say if you are playing four colors, definitely five colors, 100%. It's a good way, I think, for, like, for instance, would you in your five-color deck, would you throw all five of these in there? I don't think so. It's too many tapped lands. I think yeah. you only have a spot for a certain amount. And I think I'd rather just have a try lands because even when you're not, like, crimped on one color, you often want to be flexible of, like, right. the fact that a try land taps four all three colors because once you've chosen the color for this and it's on the battlefield you can't be like oh i wish i would have said green you know what <laughs> i mean like it's too late yeah so i think you can run one or two of these but in general they're probably only slightly more 
more better, only slightly gooder than Guildgate. Yeah, they're slightly bester. Yeah. Uh, I think the the only time I would really consider running these, uh, outside of just like definitely put it in like a four or five color deck, is if you had, you're playing black or a color that requires a lot of a specific oh, color pit for casting costs. Because you do run it like, sometimes my red decks, Necropotence, yeah. Or like I'll have a dragon deck with like five red pips and something, nothing that many. And you're like, how am I ever going to cast this? Yeah, that's a good point. I think at most you may run one or two of these, but you're right. There's a lot of downside here. I'm not running all five and not using them very often yeah if you're but i would swap them out for your guild gates if you just have that choice in a three plus color deck yeah i think they're better than guild gate well i guess they're not better than guild gates in two color decks but they're equal to guild gates yeah unless you're playing a deck that wants to search out your gates and win that way i mean they are technically just better because if you happen to steal somebody else's card or something and you mm. needed the activated ability, like oh, you can say a color oh, outside your... triplets? There you go. Okay. Send triplets and uh, some some decks like that where you do need color outside of your nice. color identity, then these could do that, right? Yeah. It's not making me build a send triplets deck, but it definitely made me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's begin with our set review. We are going to start with red because Jimmy put together the outline. You bet I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to read the first card? Yes. This is Immolating Gyre. Four red, red for a sorcery. Immolating Gyre deals X damage to each creature and planeswalker you don't control, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Okay, all right. So this is a one-sided red board wipe. Yeah, it only hits your opponent's stuff, and it hits planeswalkers too, which yeah. like um, Volcanic Vision is one, but that doesn't hit planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's a pretty decent upside. However, you got to do some work to make this be good because you have to have instants and sorceries in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you could potentially, like, six mana, do two damage to everything. Ooh, and then you have a lot of better options in that regard. And there's also, you know, you can play Earthquakes as well. It does damage to everyone, but if you do X, you know, you can actually choose that number to be much larger. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, this is, I think, a great step towards just giving red more board wipes. Because if you look at the board wipes for red, you're, like, limited to three or four until you get into blowing up lands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, okay, no more. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, a lot of red decks do want a decent amount of instant and sorcery cards. And if your deck's built around that and already going to... I don't think you put a bunch of instants and sorceries into your deck and try and make them put you know, make yeah, that deck, put those around. in the yard uh, so you can make Immolating Gyre work. You right. just look at your deck and go, okay, if combined total, I have somewhere around 25 or 30 instants and sorceries or more, and a few of those effects are going to put those in the graveyard besides me just casting them. Yeah. Because let's talk about this. What number would you be happy with casting Immolating Gyre as far as the amount of damage that it does to creatures and planeswalkers. Oof. Are you uh, happy if it's three? I don't think you are. No. Four, I think, four? is even not so much. So Although, I think four is a very common toughness in yeah. Magic. I think five is maybe the, the when you're starting to be threshold. like, right. Yeah, because a lot of planeswalkers, too, I don't yeah. see, they usually are around, right around that number. If so, you're gonna kill them. so if you hit five, you're you're at least, oh, you're okay with what happens. Yeah, I think Six so. plus, and you're pretty happy, I think. Oh, man. Six plus is basically Blasphemous Act at that point. Yeah, I think. it's like, killing almost everything. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some big stuff might survive. Yeah, so that's a quite a few instants and sorceries in your graveyard, right? Like, that, that's not going to happen unless you do some work. Yeah, the question is, is like, is Chandra's Ignition better? It, it saves one creature and does it to everything, but, but Emily and Gyre... Creature out. Yeah, it's true. You know, I think this will find a lot of places in specific decks. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of those decks and how they work. 
Uh, the first card I put down is just Faithless Looting because okay. one, it's draw two cards and then discard two cards. But more importantly, it has flashback. And you're, if you're going to play a deck with Immolating Gyre, I think you want it wants to be a deck that has a lot of flashback cards because they're naturally going to be in the graveyard. Either you're looting and discarding. So most likely you're pairing this up with red and blue. Yep. Also, Faithless Looting could put three instant sand or sorceries in your graveyard because it is an oh, instant right. or sorcery. And then if you discarded two, usually discarding lands, but yeah. you know, if you just happen to, it could it could really bump it up. And it's one mana, so it's conceivable you could do this on the same turn you Immolating Gyre. So decks that have faith, Faithless Looting could look at Immolating Gyre as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, another card you put down is Underworld Breach. Of course. This is, we've, we're going to talk about this a lot. We have been. It's pretty new still it's one in a red for an enchantment each non-land card in your graveyard has escape the escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard so that means if you exile three cards from your graveyard you can cast uh the card for its escape cost mm-hmm. so underworld breach isn't a card that goes with immolating gyre in except for the fact that if your deck has an underworld breach in it there's a good chance that immolating gyre will be good in that deck because right because decks that have Underworld Breach are generally putting a lot of stuff in their graveyard. Yeah, and not to mention, if you have a bunch, let's say you have 30 cards in your graveyard, you exile yeah. three of them, you recast Immolating Gyre from your graveyard. That's a good point. Boom, you do a lot more damage. You could actually do it twice in a single turn if you have enough mana, yeah, but you know, we're in real, real Christmas land at that point. <laughs> um, and now Underworld Breach also says at the beginning of your end step, sacrifice it. So you can't obviously oh, right. keep it around forever. Sorry, I forgot that part. <laughs> The, the version I read was broken. Yeah, I know, right? It's broken anyway. <laughs> Someone at home is just like, wait, that's what it does? Yeah, sorry. You sacrifice it um, at the end of turn. It's still broken. <laughs> the card that we probably mentioned the most outside of Underworld Breach is Riel the Everwise. It's a one blue red for a zero three. It gets plus one plus oh for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So similar text to Emily Geyer. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So... This with Faithless Looting is really nuts. It doubles up the draw you have. This tends to be a wheel deck, too, so yeah. you're going to be dumping a lot of stuff in your graveyard, and that's the kind of deck that Immolating Gyre is going to be really, really good in because a lot of times I think you're going to pay six and do you know 15 to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Jory and Rune Wait, Diver- wait, wait, wait. Is it good? Because Blasphemous Act, you could pay one red mana and do that much. But it hits your own creatures. Yeah, that's this right. only okay. hits opponent's creatures. Okay. And Planeswalkers, which I, I think it's better than Blasphemous Act. Well, in certain scenarios, in certain scenarios, because okay. you still have to pay six. That's a big difference than one. True, true. Uh, Man, Mike gets such good board vibes for six. <laughs> Red gets this like conditional, conditional, conditional. Hey, well, that's fine. White, white deserves it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, the next card we've got down is Jory and Ruin Diver. It's one, a blue, and a red for a 2-3 legendary Merfolk Wizard. It says, whenever you cast your second spell each turn, draw a card. Ah. So this is a deck that tends to have a lot of like one, like Brainstorm, Ponder, that kind of stuff. And uh that's going to put a lot of spells in your yard, so Immolating Gyre. And more importantly, you're drawing the cards back, so you're always refueling your hand. Yep. Uh, Niv Mizzet Perun, blue, 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 red, red, red. Maybe play a Thriving Land in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a legendary creature, Dragon Wizard 5-5. Five, five. The spell can't be countered. It's flying, and whenever you draw a card, Niv Mizzet does one damage to any target, and whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery, you draw a card. So this also tends to be a wheel deck, also one that just gets a lot of damage in over time. Yeah, I think ultimately what you said is going to be true. Immolating Gyre can find a home in certain decks, but its its usage is narrow. Yeah. Definitely it's not a go-in-every-red-deck type of card because your deck just has to be set up right for it. You can think of it sort of similar to a card that says, you know, the word zombies on it somewhere or something like that, right? That only goes in zombies deck. Yeah, yeah. The, the Immolating Gyre just only goes in instant and sorcery heavy decks. And also, not just that, they have to be putting stuff in the yard. And throw it in the Mizzix deck, maybe? Yeah. Cast it for two? Cast 
Disimage. That's probably a good one. You can basically say blue red. Go to edhrec.com. Look up any of their blue red commanders, and uh, like probably eighty percent of them will follow spells this theme. Yeah, yeah, spells matter. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the next red card. This is a cool one. It's called Living Lightning. Three and a red for a three-two elemental shaman. When Living Lightning dies, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Ooh, interesting. I'm down for that. That is spell recursion yep. that's targeted, right? I don't think Red's ever really seen this. We have Charmbreaker Devils, but that costs a lot of mana, and you have to wait for your upkeep to do it. This just needs to die, so... Let's it's see like here. red gets an Archaeomancer, mnemonic wall type of effect. And right. those are both cards that see a lot of play. And, you know, almost like a Snapcaster Mage type of effect. Yeah. Better in some ways, worse in others. Obviously, enter the battlefield a little easier than when it dies. But we there's hoops we can jump through here. Yeah, let's talk about them. Yeah, I think um, this will get be able to... Because the card goes to your hand, right? So Snapcaster has this thing where, yeah, you can cast out your graveyard, but after you do it, it exiles it. Right. This returns it to your hand, so you can get into loops where the card you're getting back is actually getting you the living lightning back. Oh, so you can do it again. Yeah, so like Death Denied is a good uh, example of this. It's black, black, and X for an instant, and it says return target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand, or X target creature cards. Yep, yep. So you could get, you know, if X is equal to three, you get living lightning plus a couple other things back, and then you recast living lightning, sack it, do this death denied thing again, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets the death denied back when it dies, and then you can kind of just get into these loops where you're reoccurring certain creatures. Seems like a really good card for like an eggs type deck, mm-hmm. right? You just you're wanting to throw a ton of stuff into the yard, and you're going to find a way to bring it all back. Here's uh, one you used recently oh, yeah. on Game Nights, Jimmy. Verdant Rebirth. It's one in the green for an instant until end of turn. Target creature gains. When this creature dies return it to its owner's hand, and you also draw a card. So boom, cast Verdant Rebirth on your Living Lightning. You cycle it, so you draw a card from Verdant Rebirth, and then you sack Living Lightning. It's going to bounce back to your hand. It's also going to fetch an instant or sorcery, which could be Verdant Rebirth. Yep, and you could just get into that loop where if you're somehow creating mana or just value, right. you know, drawing a card each time you do this could be worth it. That right, kind Inf- of- infinite mana draws your whole deck here, right? Yeah, exactly. Um Extra turn spells are just kind of good with Living Lightning because it, the ones that don't exile themselves. Yes. So, again, this is where you kind of get into situations where, where it can be better than Snapcaster Mage because it doesn't exile the thing. Mm-hmm. It brings it back to your hand. So, this is things we see with Archaeomancer and Mnemonic Wall, of course. So, let's imagine a scenario, and this is going to be quite a combo, but I think there are multiple ways to do this. You can use either, like, Gift of Mortality, of Immortality, or Lifeline. Right. Gift of, yeah. yeah, Gift of Immortality is two and a white for an enchantment or an enchanted creature. When enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control and then return Gift of Immortality to the battlefield. Attach that creature at the beginning of the next end step. Lifeline does a similar thing. Uh, it's, it's, qu- actually, at the it's actually quite different, but it'll have the same effect in this case. So it's yeah. five mana for an artifact. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard and a creature is in play, return that creature from your graveyard to play at the end of the turn, to the battlefield at the end of the turn. So... What you could do is like have an extra turn spell in your graveyard, mm-hmm. sack the living lightning, get it back. And Gift of Immortality or Le- Lifeline is going to return living lightning to the battlefield. Right. You've cast the extra turn spell, and now next turn you just do that again. And that's sort of an infinite turns type of deal. In red, interestingly enough. Uh, there's also these cards. Well, you want to read this one? There's, yeah, there's... Second Sunrise. I love this card. Uh, one white white for an instant. Each player returns to play all artifact, creature, enchantment, and land cards that are put there into his or her graveyard from play this turn. So this is like the eggs kind of combo you're going for now, right? Right, exactly. So you sack all your stuff, including Living Lightning. It gets your Second Sunrise back, or maybe it's already in your hand. 
then you cast your second sunrise, all that stuff comes back, including living lightning, which you can sack to get back the second sunrise and do that again. Okay, yeah. And with ETB effects, is obviously obviously very powerful. If you're using a altar to sack, you're going to get a lot of mana when you sack all your stuff. If you have a card like Greater Gargan on, you mm-hmm. can get a lot of cards in the graveyard that way by sacking it. Yeah, Faith's Reward is another version of second sunrise. There are a few things that do that. Yeah. Living Death is another card that, Ooh, like, it's going to nice. make you sacrifice, right? So Living Death, sorry, three black black for a sorcery. All players exile all creature cards from their graveyards, then sacrifices all creatures they control, then puts all cards they exile this way onto the battlefield. So if Living Lightning's out and you cast Living Death, you'll get all your creatures from your graveyard onto the battlefield. Living Lightning will be forced to be sacked and you can just get the Living Death back into your hand. Mm -hmm. And now you're sitting there with Living Death in your hand, which is going to bring back the Living Lightning the next time you cast it because it's now in your graveyard. Everything's living. Yeah, and then you can just (laughs) kind of keep doing that, right? Yeah. So... You know what I realize is interesting? Normally, if you want, let's say you have an Archaeomancer and a, counter, and a Counterspell in your graveyard. Everyone knows, oh, Josh has an Archaeomancer and a Counterspell, you can get it back. But you have to have like instant speed flash, right? right? To make it really effective. The cool thing about Living Lightning is you can sack it instant speed. You don't need another card like Vidalcan Ori out there to make it happen. There's well, you, a lot you of need a sack outlet, but yeah. yeah. There's plenty of those. and They're even on lands, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's an- another way right, to use this like a instant speed type thing. Kind of cool. And finally, I think the thing that'll sort of make all of this really work is if you're gaining mana when you're doing this stuff. So stuff like Pitiless Plunderer, which is three and a black. Whenever another creature you control uh, dies, you create a treasure token. Uh, Phyrexian Altar, obviously, or Ashna's Altar, you mentioned before, when you're sacking, you're making mana. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Murph pointed this card out to me. It's called Carnival of Souls. It's one and a black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under anybody's control, you lose one life and add black to your mana pool. (laughs) Dangerous a little bit, but on the turn you're kind of going to go off, you might be able to make this happen because Living Lightning and other creatures are likely to enter, be entering and leaving, like, especially if you're doing that second sunrise thing. Yeah, or even if you're just taking a bunch of extra turns, right? I mean, you're fine if you lose 10 life, but you take 10 extra turns in a row. Yeah, exactly. It might just get beat it might just make you able to to cast uh, enough stuff to really make that engine work. Yeah, but this is cool. I'm just glad that red has an effect like this yeah. finally. It's cool. Uh, I'm glad it's there and keep it coming, wizards. I think it's at the right power level too. You have to jump through some hoops. It's just, just It just doesn't do the thing, right? It's also a four mana card which makes it pretty high CMC these days. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the next red card. Spiteful Prankster, two and a red. It's a creature devil, three, two. As long as it's your turn, Spiteful Prankster has first strike. And whenever another creature dies, Spiteful Prankster deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. Ah. Whenever another creature dies, too, that's anybody. Any creature, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, look at this. You know this pairs well with that we loved from last episode? Xerzoth, Chaos Rider! Yeah, Woo! Devil Tribal, and it's also a devil. Yeah, it's two and a red for a 2-3. Whenever an opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not their turn, you create a 1-1 red devil creature token that when it dies, it deals one damage to any target. And whenever one or more devils you control, including the Spiteful Prankster, which is going to have first strike on your turn, uh, whenever one or more devils you control attacks one or more players, you draw you and that player draws a card and discards a card at random. So that's kind of fun. And when your devils die now, they deal two damage because of the Spiteful Prankster. Yeah, basically. Um, well, the devils can deal it to any target. Spiteful Prankster is right. only to player or planeswalker. This is kind of aristocracy, but it's on the red side. We're used yeah. to seeing the aristocracy stuff on the black side, right? Yeah, there's no life gain, but there's definitely a lot of damage dealt. Yeah, definitely a lot of ways to make, like, let's say you were doing some of that stuff with living lightning, mm-hmm. you know, just recurring it over and over and over. Well, if you have Spiteful Prankster out, that turns into a win because that turns all the dying into damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, 
You put down Chainer, Nightmare Adept, which is another cool one. Two black and a red four mana for a 3-2 legendary human minion. It says, discard a card. You may cast a creature card from your graveyard this turn. Activate this ability only once each turn. But also, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if you didn't cast it from your hand, it gains haste until end of turn. So this is a way to just, you're reoccurring creatures, sacking them on purpose. This is kind of a Rakdos Aristocrats style deck. Yeah, and a lot of these cards also apply to Living Lightning. Uh, Garna the Blood Flame, right? This is a flash creature when it enters the battlefield. Return to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from anywhere this turn. So that includes a Living Lightning. There's just ways, right? Like you're going to want to sack a bunch of things and get them back. It's giving red a little bit more of a value engine and not saying like every time something dies, draw a card or something nuts, but it's just do a little damage. And I think that's, you know, it doesn't, how much damage you have to deal to equal a card in Magic? I don't know what it is in, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I have no idea what it is in Commander. But we're kind of getting there. Yeah. Uh, Pitiless Plunder, again, would be good in a deck like this because obviously things are dying. We talk about, whenever we talk about red now, we're going to talk about Torbran and Fiery Emancipation. Those are just increased damage. Mm -hmm. Um, Torbran adds two to any red source that's dealing damage for you, and Fiery Emancipation triples the damage from uh, any source you control. Yeah. Uh, I thought, okay, here's a... Here's a um, magical Christmas land combo. We are talking about magic cards. It doesn't even win you the game, but I just thought it'd be funny. (laughs) Okay. So you get Chandra's Incinerator out, which is five and a red, but it costs you X less to cast where X is the amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn. Okay. It's a six, six with trample. That doesn't matter. It says whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, Chandra's Incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Oh. So a creature dying will deal one damage to a player, which Chandra's Incinerator will say, that's not combat damage. I'm going to do one damage to a creature or planeswalker. So if you can give Chandra's Incinerator Death Touch. Oh, with Spiteful Prankster out, you just need to kill one One thing. creature, and then Chandra's Incinerator goes, deal one damage to that. That's Death Touch. It dies. Spiteful Prankster, deal one damage to opponent. Chandra's Incinerator, that's not combat damage. I'll hit that creature. Yeah. That kills it. Okay. There you go. Magical Christmas land, and all it does is kill all the creatures and do some damage to your opponents, but it still seems like it would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done this before with uh, your your Goblin Sharpshooter and yeah, exactly. Death Touch type things. <laughs> a lot easier to pull off with the Goblin Sharpshooter. You know what if your whole deck was that? What if? <laughs> what you if, never know. What if? All right, all right. So how the Red Fair here, Josh? I think it did pretty well. Living Lightning is very good. Yeah, I like Living Lightning a lot. Imlane Gyre is just another red board wipe, and it's a little more conditional. It's not the worst, though. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, they did fine. It's, yeah, Living Lightning's pretty cool, actually. So, And there's not a lot of cards. It's not like a full set, right? Yeah. So I think one really solid card per color is, and I think we do have that, by the way, spoiler alert. Um, so, yeah, I'd give them like a B. B plus, maybe. Keeping in theme with the theme doing damage. Lots of it. Good job, Red. All right, let's move on to white here, the much beleaguered. White Uh, starts with Blessed Sanctuary. Okay, is it blessed or blessed? Hmm. It's either Blessed Sanctuary or Blessed Sanctuary. Let us know in the comments below. It's if you have if you've been looking for the chance to comment, now is your chance. It's cool art. Yeah, it's really cool. Cute. I tried to say cute and cool. A lot of unicorns. All right. Three white white for an enchantment. Prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white unicorn creature token. All right. Unicorn tribal, as well as just creating a lot of tokens in a flicker deck of types as well. Yeah. Emil the Blessed is, uh, or Blessed. I'm not sure Oh, there we go. (laughs) Is it? Is it? (laughs) Is it Blessed Sanctuary or Emil the Blessed or Blessed Sanctuary Emil the Blessed? Either way, that's the Unicorn Tribal Commander <laughs> right now. So pumps your unicorns. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You, you pay three to exile another target creature, and then it returns the battlefield under control, and then when it comes in, you can pay more mana. One thing we didn't mention last time, and this is a card that you brought to my attention on Game Nights, is Workhorse goes infinite with a meal. It's a horse and a unicorn. Right, because it's a it's a six mana zero zero, but it comes into play with four one one counters on it. But you can remove a one one counter uh, from it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool. So if you did that three times, then you can activate a meal, blink the workhorse, and it'll come back with four. Yep. You can't and do it four times because then it would die. All you have to do is add an extra counter to it, though. If with you a got meal, a, yeah. up to five, and now you go four, blink, and now you have infinite mana. So you basically just have to have or if you one had hardened scales mana. or something. You yeah. Can do it. yeah, 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 totally. Um, Okay, sorry, that was a side tangent. <laughs> so the, the the part I actually like about Blessed Sanctuary, I mean, it's cool to make unicorn tokens. Yes. But a five-mana spell that makes you a 2-2 to- a every time you cast a creature is not that great. We have cards It's like definitely that. not turning the game around like a board wipe would, right? But prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and, you and creatures you control is pretty cool, and you can do some interesting things. So Command the Dread Horde is a really good one. Mm-hmm. It's four black, black for a sorcery. Choose any number of target creatures and or planeswalker cards in graveyards, all graveyards. Command the Dread Horde deals damage to you, deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. And then you put them onto the battlefield under your control. So, Oh, this triggers both parts of Blessed Sanctuary. So you cannot be dealt non-combat damage. It's all prevented. So you could just choose all creatures in all graveyards, put them onto the battlefield. You'll take no damage. And you get a bunch of tutus for all the creatures that entered. Yeah. So that's like... And Planeswalkers, too. If you have Command the Dreadheart in your deck, I would think about Blessed Sanctuary, because if you could ever pull that off, you're probably going to win. That's insanity. Yeah, normally with Command the Dreadheart, you're like, I'll take two targets, maybe three, and take like 16 damage. But in this case, yeah, just choose everything. That's actually really exciting. You get Planeswalkers with it, too, so it's pretty cool. Um, Also, just like Earthquake spells that just deal damage to everybody, you prevent all non-combat damage to yourself and and creatures you control. Mm -hmm. So you go Earthquake for 10, Kills everybody's creatures, hits them for 10. Nothing, none, like that's one sided. Yeah. Right? Actually, I really like the text prevent all non combat damage shall be dealt to because we're always harping on how no one's really swinging in our meta. Yeah. So in this case, it's like Rurik Thar. Sorry, buddy. Nekusar. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So much stuff is just stopped by that text. So if you can at all play into it a little bit, I think it's probably worth including. If, yeah. And especially if you've got enough creatures that you're going to get some tokens. Like, the rest of it, I don't think is enough by itself. Yeah. But it all adds in as added gravy if you're if it's going along with the strategy you like. So There, there might be a deck archetype being built here with this idea yeah. of preventing non-combat damage and having a lot of spells that deal combat damage in a meta that's not combat heavy. Uh, Pyrohemia and Pestilence are both cards also. They are enchantments that you can pay either a red for Pyrohemia or black for Pestilence, and that converts to one damage to each creature and each player. But these, uh, both spells have to be, or both enchantments have to be sacrificed if there are ever no creatures on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. But because your creatures won't take damage from them, they're going to just stick around, so that can be really powerful. That's exciting. All right, the next white card we're talking about is Brightmare. Two and a white for a creature unicorn. It's a 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, tap up to one target creature. You gain life equal to that creature's power. Okay, so uh, it's a great flicker target. It's going to gain you a lot of life if you have infinite mana with something like a meal. It's kind of like Soul Warden a little bit, but yep. in this case, it also taps stuff down. I think this is an interesting uncommon for white. It gives a white a little flexibility. There's not really much else I have to say about it other than that. I mean, if you have infinite mana with a meal, it can always tap itself when it comes in, so it'll right. gain you infinite life. Yeah. Yay. How is Brightmare not a name that's been used in Magic before? Yeah, right? There's all <laughs> kinds of mares out there. Yeah, exactly. Brightmare, yeah, interesting. Uh, 
Go ahead. Supply runners, four in the white for a 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one corner on each other creature you control. It's a very casual effect. It's We've seen this a bunch of times. Johnny Steadfast, Collective Effort, Micaeus the Lunark. Um, if you're in a plus one, plus one counters matters deck, go nuts. I knock Bondkin, Abzan Falconer, Battle Priest. Those all give Lord type effects to creatures oh, with plus the one, plus one counters. Lords. Yeah, the Outlast Lords. Um, you're going to want to play tokens with this deck, so you have Secure the Wastes, um, Elite Scale Guard, the most busted limited thing of all time. Yeah, it makes it so that you tap down their creatures when you attack. Yeah, I think this is like good for a mono-white aggro deck, and that seems like another thing, right, again, that might be something that people like to play here. Yeah, And if you're maybe. playing mono-white aggro, then play Ravnica at War, because this card will house a Josh Lee Kwai deck. Oh, yeah, so it's three and a white for a sorcery. Exile all multicolored permanents. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen anyone cast it, but it would definitely destroy me if they did. <laughs> uh, one more card, and it's fairly simple, I just wanted to mention, was a, a Release the Dogs. It's three and a white for a sorcery. It says, create four 1-1 one, one white dog creature tokens. I think this is actually a pretty good rate. Four mana for four bodies. Yeah. Think about uh, Hordling Outburst, which is the red version. Three, three mana, mana for three, three bodies. And it's so one red, red, hard to cast. Now, goblins are... a better quote-unquote tribe more uh, supported tribe than dogs however just that amount of bodies for that amount of mana i think is actually something that is useful and we'll probably see this card see a little bit of play count it okay how did white fare uh nah, i mean it has actually, cards that we want to talk about but nothing that fixes the problems that we're talking about that's right? true there's no cards that fix the problems in white but i do think that blessed sanctuary is quite a good card yeah and again i i would love to know if people are building this kind of deck because maybe this is something there right this could be another version of your stop hitting yourself deck that's finally yep. coming to play yep. which means you were like three years advance of the head of the curve <laughs> josh lee quiet get designing <laughs> all right uh we have green we have black and we have is that it blue, blue. still up so before we get into it, we've got to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. That was smooth, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back, and we're talking about the brand new cards from Jump, Jump, Start. <laughs> and we're moving on to green. We have blue and black as well. So far, you know, cards have been interesting. They're nothing groundbreaking, but definitely pushing things in certain directions. So let's see where green takes us. First this up, next card's good. Yeah, eh, geez. It's Allosaurus Shepherd. It's a green mana for a 1-1 elf shaman. It can't be countered. And it says green spells you control can't be countered. Not just creatures. Green, green spell. spells. Four green green until end of turn. Each elf creature you control has base power and toughness 5-5 five, five, and becomes a dinosaur in addition to its other types. So it has an activated ability for six mana that just turns all your stuff into 5-5 five, five dinosaurs. Pretty cool. Okay, this is actually very powerful, right? Yeah, this I is think this is a really good card. We're going to see this a lot. I mean, in terms of just like, we we are saying like one drops are very important these days in mm -hmm. Commander. This is another great one drop, especially in a mono green stompy deck, even in a two color deck with a lot of multicolored cards, because sometimes you're casting green spells to just win the game. Crater Hoof Behemoth yeah. uh, or Green Sun Zenith type, right? Yep, I think probably you won't run this out on turn one very often because it does protect your turn so well. Right. So probably you're going to hold it in hand. And the fact that it's one mana is huge because you don't want the, I'm using this to protect my turn spell to cost a lot of mana because then you're like, but I have to use half my turn to cast this spell. This one's like, well, one mana, turn pretty well protected. I mean, it also can't be countered itself. That's, yeah. That's actually really important. Um, uh, there's a, there's a, the most popular episode of Game Nights with Melissa DeTora, she uses uh, Dragonlord uh, Dramoka uh -huh. basically because she knows that I have a bunch of instant speed stuff and she does a thing where she uses Dragonlord Dramoka to protect her turn in this way. 
that is a high CMC card. This is a one mana card that does, and she ends up winning the game off the back of it. Sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen that episode. <laughs> that old, old episode, yeah. Yeah. By the way, Melissa DeToro, like one of the great magic players ever and, and definitely <laughs> outplayed me there for sure. No surprise. Um, but I like the fact that this card will do a similar thing. Not the exact same thing, um, but for only one mana. Yeah, not to mention, right? If you're just playing like an elf ball deck, you're going to want oh, yeah. to have a way to make all your creatures very scary. Even if you're playing a dinosaur deck, now you can add a little bit more mana dorks in there because, again, like casting a Sakama or a Gashoth, everyone wants to counter that spell, right? Yeah, so true. this is a fun way to really get a lot of value out of that. Um, and sorry, I misspoke earlier. It only turns each of your elves right. into 5-5 five, five dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Not so, all your creatures. So if you have a bunch of elves lying around or if you're just doing elf mana ramp even like a selvala deck would love this too because mm -hmm. now you're you know for six mana you turn creatures huge and you're gonna have a lot of mana in that deck maybe that's how you're swinging out i don't know just, there's better ways to win with selvala that's for sure uh so gashoth sun's avatar is a deck we have written down that might want something like this zakama primal calamity galta, galta primal hunger these are just dinosaur big dinosaur <laughs> decks i think giving this card flash is really really powerful because it it can become a counter spell itself then so if they try oh, right. to counter one of your green spells, you can flash out Allosaurus Shepard with like Yeva, Winding Canyons, Leyline, Vidalcan, Orbery, <laughs> Alchemist Refuge. You know the cards that we always talk about. Yep. Really good because now you're they're down a card. Yeah, that's <laughs> from rough. doing that. That and is you're still rough. protected. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. I think this card is going to see a lot of play. And because we can just talk about dinosaurs all day, I'm going to do that thing again where I just talk about some cool dinos that we've had recently. You may not know there were dinos. This one's pretty easy. Quartzwood Crasher, two red, red, green. It's Trample. Whenever one or more creatures you control with Trample deal comet damage to a player, create an XX green dinosaur beast creature token with Trample or exit the amount of damage that those creatures dealt to that player. That's cool. You get a lot of other dinosaurs. Karuga the Macro Sage. It's a companion card. It says when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card for each other permanent you control, CMC 3 or greater. Not great with Alistair Shepard, but it is a dinosaur because it's a dinosaur hippo. And then Aluna, Apex of Wishes. It has Mutate. You play it in a teamer deck. When this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent and you put that card on the battlefield or into your hand. All right. Just, they're all dinosaurs. That's that's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> Any excuse to talk about dinosaurs? Who knew Karuga was a dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, it looks I, like a hippo. Yeah, it's true. I didn't know it was a dinosaur. Yeah. All right. The next green card is... Towering Titan. Titan, Titan. Four green, green for a zero, zero creature Titan. Don't worry. It's going to get Titan. Towering soon. Creature giant. Creature giant, yeah. Creature dinosaur giant. Not dinosaur. <laughs> Towering Titan enters the battlefield with X plus one, plus one counters on it, where X is the total toughness of other creatures you control, and you can sacrifice a creature with defender. All creatures gain trample until end of turn. All creatures. This is kind of like Kenrith. You can give every creature on the battlefield something by doing this. Yeah, this is obviously for those big butts decks. Yep. So Doran, the Siege Tower, is a big one. Uh, Arcades, the Strategist. Because again, uh, Towering Titan wants you to have a creatures with Defender. Mm -hmm. But also just big butts. Um, I like putting this in the Thantis, the Warweaver deck, where uh, you just play a bunch of defender cards and force everyone to attack. Because it says all creatures attack each able if, com uh, if able. That's and your kind of defenders don't have to attack because they're yeah, not able, yeah. and then you can just... When you do need to swing in, the Tower and Titan is going to help you get there. Uh, you put down one of my favorite cards here, Meek Stone, which is just good in any deck that's high toughness, low power. You monster. Creatures with power three or greater don't untap during their controllers, untap steps. Um, unfortunately, Towering Titan gets power and toughness boost, <laughs> though, so it might not untap. Yeah. Um, Hwatli, the Sun's Heart, is in a Planeswalker enchantment version of the Duran effect of each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And then Assault Formation is an enchantment version of that. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And it also says, uh, allows your defenders to attack and then pumps toughness. So 
Assault sort of Formation, ball. one of the best cards in, in those decks. Yeah, the Defender deck, it's definitely something that came much more prominent like two or three years ago when yeah. okay, this came out. And it's just been around for a while. So I think that, um, if you have the space for it, Towering Titan's going to be a good fit in those types of decks. All right, the last green card we're going to talk about is Branching Evolution. It's two and a green for an enchantment. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. Okay. So it's just half of doubling season. Yeah, it's Corpse Jack Menace on an enchantment. There you go. I think the doubling season uh, comparisons aren't great because doubling season can double your Planeswalker counters, and I think that's really where things get super de duper busted. Um, but Branching Evolution costs three mana. It's a great enchantment for this effect. And again, the plus one plus one matters deck, there's obviously more and more ways to go infinite with every single time you see cards like this exist. So this is just another nod in that direction. Uh, plus one, plus one counters. Pretty established as far as an archetype. So a lot of these cards you'll know. Peer Imaginative Rascal. Yep. Uh, that also, what, doubles the counters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, plus one. Gives plus one counters. So there's two ways to give additional counters right there's ones that say if you're gonna put that many put twice that many mm -hmm. and there's one that says if you're gonna put that many put that many plus one yep here's a plus one uh, uh winding, winding constrictor, constrictor also plus a plus one. one primal vigor though that's a doubler but it is for everyone at the table so if, yeah don't don't let them put plus one counters on <laughs> uh, hardened scales is a plus one yes which would be plus two with branching evolution out so it still works really well right it's the exact same effect basically Skullbriar and... we've talked about a lot recently because yeah. um well, it says counters remain on it as it moves to any zone other than a player's hand or library. And then whenever it enters the battle, or sorry, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you put a 1-1 counter on it. So if you can dump a bunch of counters on it, they're going to stay as it moves from graveyard to exile or so whatever. Doubling it up. Yeah, yeah, so it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So that's a fun way of doing it. Um, this next, uh, yeah, so how did Green fare? So Green, I think, like, I'll... I'll Allosaurus Shepherd is a very, very good card. It's probably the yeah. single best card we've talked about so far. It's really similar to that, like, uh, Veil of Night. Is that what it was? Yeah, Veil of, veil of Autumn. Autumn? Summer? Veil of a Season. It's a green instant that basically says protect your turn if you're trying to combo off this turn. So I could see Allosaurus Shepherd being a CDH card for that reason. And right? it's very efficient. It's one mana. I think it just goes in a lot of decks because a lot of times those decks are, like, trying to dodge, you know, a couple of counter spells to close out the game. And yeah. so you know, for one mana to be able to do that. I mean, look what so, Prowling Serpaport did to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those cards are very important in green decks. So I think green did pretty well here. I, I'd give him like a B plus. Okay, yeah. All right. A, a, a brain, brie, 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 a brie plus. plus. Brie plus. All right, uh, agree plus? Agree, I agree. Okay. All right, moving on to blue. We only have two cards to talk about here. The first is Scholar of the Lost Trove. It's a pretty good one, though. Yeah, it is. Five blue, blue for a 5-5, five, five, so it better be powerful. Creature Sphinx with flying. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant sorcery or artifact card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If an instant or sorcery cast this way we put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. It doesn't say that for the artifact. I don't know why they didn't template it. It's like if the artifact leaves your whatever, it also gets exiled. But it's only instance to sorceries. You can cast artifacts with this? And then do the KCI stuff where you sack it and... Yeah. Also, you can cast sorceries. This is the first time, I believe, a card lets you cast a sorcery for free from your graveyard. There's a few like other sorceries that do it, but yeah, I can't think In of In terms of like a creature ETB, yeah, yeah, which means you can flicker it, I think the like bunch. Dark Goblin Dark Dwellers, but it's CMC limited, so yeah. yeah, there's not very many. This is just any instant sorcery or artifact. Now, seven mana, big, tall order, but mm -hmm. I mean, you can get a lot of stuff out of this. Yeah, this is a very powerful card, and we found... What's the, what's the blue card... 
printed recently. That, Agent like, of Treacheries? Yes. We found out that, like, if you put a very powerful effect and try and balance it by making it cost seven mana, that's not good it's enough. It's not good enough, yeah. Yeah. People will get around that, and it'll be just fine. Like, they won't have any trouble getting that thing out onto the battlefield. <laughs> it feels like this should have been a cast trigger. Yeah, that, be- that sounds right, too. Be- because the way to abuse it, and it's going to be not that difficult, is to obviously blink it and put an extra turn spell in your graveyard, right? And then most yep. of those are sorceries. Yep. So, yeah, boring, boring, boring. But that is a thing that you can obviously do with this card. There's a bunch of other things you can do with it, though. Flicker it a bunch. Uh, the new Ormos Archive Keeper that we talked about in the Jumpstart set review is pretty fun here because you can discard three cards with different names and draw five cards. So you're just going to have more fuel in the... And it's also Sphinx Tribal, right? And you can just dump the coolest things that you want to cast for free out there. Yeah. yeah. Unesh, Crow Sphinx Sovereign, does a small factor fiction, so that puts things in your graveyard. It's going to make the Scholar only cost five mana, too. You can cast the Scholar of the Lost Trove, and then cast a Torrential Gear Hulk, and oh then cast gosh. another spell off of that. Torrential Gear Hulk is very similar to Scholar of the Lost Trove. It's a six mana artifact with flash. When it ETBs, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. I play this card in a lot of decks. It's so good. Yeah. And Scholar of the Lost Trove doesn't have flash, but opens up two other card types, sorceries and artifacts, for one more mana. So you just know it's good. Yeah, you can even cast Shroom the Hegemon off of this, which helps you get another artifact every graveyard. There's a whole deck here, right, that you're just basically able to recast things over and over again. And not to mention, you can cast any artifact. So let's let's talk about some very high-costed ones that are very powerful. I mean, you put down a Chroma's Memorial. Yeah. That's a good one. Dark Steel Forge. Yeah, give everything indestructible. That's yeah, pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Panharmonicon obviously goes along with Scholar of the Lost Trove because it doubles up your ETB effects. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is that Scholar can get back the Panharmonicon for you if it's ever died, if it's ever gone to the graveyard. Yep. And once you're getting two things off Scholar, off Scholar of the Lost Trove when it comes in, then I think it's really easy at that point to kind of go infinite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty easy anyway, but like with Court Clan Ironworks, you're sacking the artifacts, somehow um, blinking or recurring the Scholar and just going through the whole rigmarole of playing the same cards over and over out of your graveyard, which a lot of things do, but, and KCI is famous for it. Yeah. Uh, here, a, an interesting one is Aligned Hedron Network, which is four mana for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you exile all creatures ah. with power five or greater until Aligned Hedron Network leaves the battlefield. So it'll exile the Scholar. Mm-hmm. Then you sack the Aligned Hedron Network or get rid of it some way. Scholar comes back, brings back the Aligned Hedron Network, and exiles now it sacks in. KCI that, is going to give you infinite mana. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, in the 99, I think a Braids Conjurer Adept deck will love this because yes. you're putting this out and you're getting the extra value off it. Sometimes people just put a big creature out and it's like, haha, deal with it. It's like, I'm going to do this and do this and I'm just going to combo off right then and there. And you might have big artifacts in your graveyard too and the fact that it's ETB really makes it good for Braids. Yeah. Now, this won't go in the 99 Duretti, but you want if you want a blue-red artifact deck, a Duretti Scrap Savant card is very good for all the artifact synergies out there. Same with Yannette, Cryptic Sovereign. This even has the odd CMC. Oh, it's 7 CMC. Yeah, this might be the best Sphinx Commander i think it's definitely the best scholar of the trove commander because if you could cast (laughs) if you just flip this thing right you you play it for free yeah and then you play something else for free out of your graveyard and then maybe play something else for free from that one card too who knows oh boy oh boy yeah oh Uh, of course yeah yarrick of course because it's panharmonicon on a commander yep so yeah Maybe I'll make a Yannette deck. That sounds about right. It's it's in the same colors as Send Triplets, but is not nearly as absurd. Yeah, sad. Yeah. I think that's for cool. other players to play against. Um, yeah. So I think the Scholar is just very, very. It has raw power, and it's going to be fairly easy to break. So yeah. yeah, it's yeah, whatever. I don't know what else to say about it. It's powerful. All right, next up, and the last card we're talking about blue here is Archaeal Mender. Archaeal Mender, not Manson. It's Menden. <laughs> 
It's not Manson Lung, right? Or it's, <laughs> it's Menden, Sheldon Mendery. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. uh, we've been doing this for too long. Okay, it's two in the blue for a creature human wizard. When Archaeal Mender enters the battlefield, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Oh. So it's, yeah, it's Archaeomancer, but for an artifact in your graveyard. And costs than, one less blue. Yeah. This, this card exists, has existed twice, actually, in white. So Treasure Hunter and Trusty Pack Beast are the exact same card, but in white. Two and white for a 2-2. Two, two. When it comes into play, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, obviously, blue white, we know if you put it in your deck, it actively lowers your ch- percent chance to win. So... Maybe we haven't seen Trusty Pack Beast and uh, Treasure Hunter that often because it's in white, and maybe mm-hmm. putting it in blue, which has a lot more artifact uh, synergies. Maybe yeah. not more, but better, right? They tutor Definitely the better, artifacts, yeah. and so I think this card should have been in red. Is what I really think. That I, it does feel right for red because red does care more about artifacts, and blue cares about the instants and sorceries. But I'm also not a designer, so I don't. I don't know. Well, why does blue get to? tutor for the artifacts and regrow them out of the graveyard. I think that regrowing them out of the graveyard should be red's domain and finding them in your library in your head should be blue's domain. And they shouldn't like, it's just weird to me that this is a blue card. Regardless, it's going to be useful in certain decks that have a lot of artifacts, right? Because obviously this kind of effect, we know if you're a card that when you ETB, you get a certain card type out of your graveyard, that's going to be usable for decks with that card type. Yeah. So I would just, again, look at the cards. We talked about scholar of the lost trove, a lot of that there. So how do we think blue fared in the two cards we talked about here? I mean, Scholar of Lost Trove is just a very powerful card. Yeah. I, That's just a game ender a lot of times. Yeah. It, you will be able to combo off of that in a number of ways. It's going to be a groany card, right? People are going to play that, and people are going to be like, oh, jeez, oh, yeah. what now? And but, you're going to go, meh, 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 meh. Is that like five, a, yeah. that a maniacal laugh? Or yeah, no? yeah. Well, five things entering the, the graveyard from to the battlefield because it of all the effects like you're doing. It's like an old, like, old move. Meh, 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 see? Ah, tossing, like, uh, the, the girl over your, like, shoulder and, like, <laughs> yeah. playing them on the railroad tracks. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to black. There's only one card we're going to talk about here. It's Witch of the Moors. Three black black for a 4-4 human warlock with death touch. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained life this turn, each opponent sacrifices a creature, and you return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Oh. So on your end step, it triggers and does a lot of things. Yeah. Makes everybody sack a creature, and you get one. It's Shieldreds. Jeez, but at your end step, so you need to wait again for your upkeep. This seems, like, really good. You just have to gain life, which isn't too hard in black. I mean, like, obviously, the 99 of our obvious Ailey, Karlov, Aloro is absurd with this. But let's talk about some other cards here. One that I just love is Pristine Talisman. Mm-hmm. A three-mana artifact, you tap it to add colorless, you gain a life. That's going to trigger this, and everyone's sacking a creature. And you getting a creature back, so yeah. it's a huge swing. Also, the fact that... It doesn't care if you've gained the life while it was on the battlefield. So even if that's you, right, it just says this turn. So even if you tap the pristine talisman to cast this card, it will still remember you gain life this turn. Yep, and you'll get the thing to back. Uh, Bantu's monument is a card where every time you cast a creature spell, it drains. Yep, and you gain one life. Aristocrats. So boom. Yep. You, Witch of Moors is a creature. So when you cast it, if Bantu's monument is out, you'll gain that life. Yeah, and then it will trigger on the end step. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this a lot. You are just going to be able to do a lot with this. It costs less than Shieldred. It's not hard to gain that life. Shieldred's a sweet card, but it's so expensive. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it, if it gets removed right away, it just feels so bad. Whereas five mana, 
just way way more more powerful and the yeah. the black already has their edicts they already have their you know all of these cards that are gonna make people sack creatures already which of the mores is like if you're playing like a against a voltron deck and you cast which of the mores oh, and you, gain you can some never life? win yeah you're, you're done for. you can never beat that card yeah really really cool there's a bunch of i don't know timoret yeah Aloro. i like Timuret a lot. oh my gosh aloro yeah, let's not talk about aloro uh crab <laughs> and regna alenda Vito, the new uh, Vito, oh, has yeah. a lot of life gain all those i think if your deck it ha- touches black and you know most turns is going to be able to gain life you'll play witch of the moors it's a very good card yeah, it, it's just five mana. I mean, not just five mana, but it, it is a lot of value for five mana. And Dictate of Erebos is a card that probably is a little, I mean, a lot more abusive uh, than Witch of the Moors, but Witch of the Moors will still get the job done, certainly. And you get a card back from your yeah, graveyard. Like, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, part you just get that value. So, so often you'll play it, and even if they destroy it when they untap, you've already killed one of each of their creatures and got a creature back. So the, pretty good. Yeah, you're you're still up even if they sword to plowshares. Yeah, that's a, a four for one basically. Yeah, if you get everything, even if it's just a token, who cares? You're still getting a card back from your graveyard. So yeah, good job. All, All right, right, so that's the only card from Black, but how did Black fare? I mean, that's a great card. It's, it, it's definitely doing something that Black, we haven't seen like this effect for Black cards as much, right? Well, we've Repeatable seen it, but not edicts. in this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like something that's just going to continually happen if you're able to protect it. Pretty good. Pretty good. I don't know what letter grade. Did we even give a letter grade to blue either? Uh, blue gets, uh, yeah, let's give it B, a B plus. B plus and black gets like a B plus. Yeah. It's only one card, but it's it's pretty good. All right. Uh, there's no colorless cards that we want to talk about. Sorry. Sorry. No multicolor cards only, either. There's only one artifact that's new and it's not very good, so we're going to skip it. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So let's go through what we think the most powerful card is. I know what I, I, I know what my answer it's is. It's going to be a mix between the green one and Scholar of the Lost Trove. Because I will probably build that Sphinx deck, I'm going to say Scholar. Because seven mana, who cares? You'll find a way to cheat it out. Okay. I'm going to say Allosaurus Shepherd, the, the green one. I just think that'll actually be like Heroic Intervention. Yeah. Just play it and you're like, oh no, all of these things. I had plans. I had plans. I, yeah. <laughs> I have a counter spell in my hand, so I was feeling pretty good. I can stop whatever they were going to do, and I just need to untap. Like, that's a situation you're in quite a bit in Commander. Yeah. And they go, Allosaurus Shepherd. Crap. Crap. Can't even counter that. Say, again, yeah. again, Prowling Server Report. I just looked at it when I was playing against me and Game Nuts and went, oh, that effect exists. Wasn't even in my brain space. And, and your posture up to that moment and your thinking was, I can handle anything because I can counter it. Yeah. And he, yeah, exactly. So that that effect is just very powerful. So, and it's one mana. It's one mana. All right. Yeah. To the Fa- list. Oh wait, oh, wait, wait. Favorite new card. Favorite new card. I know mine. Hmm. Can you tell? I thought about this beforehand. <laughs> I did not think about this beforehand. <laughs> I am going to say the red board wipe. Oh. Immolating Gyre? Immolating Gyre, yeah. Red just needs more board wipes. Uh, when I was building my Paco and Halden deck and looking for cheap board wipes, you're like, there aren't any. There aren't any. Uh, I'm going to say Living Lightning. Ah, uh, cool. I really like getting instants and sorceries back into my hand. Yeah, so. there are a lot of combos with Living Lightning. Even if you just, it just dies and you just get one back, it's fine. Like, either you didn't do combo-y stuff, that's yeah. just good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Now to the listeners. What's your favorite card that we talked about in today's episode? Do you even think what we thought was the most powerful is the most powerful? Uh, are there any cards in general on Jumpstart that jump out at you that we didn't even mention? Because there are a few new ones that we didn't talk about. And of course, what is the most busted combination of decks that you think you can make if you were to open a bunch, right? Oh, the themes? Yeah. If, what do you think is the, the absolute best combo? And I would love to see if people try this out with two of the giant or multiplayer uh-huh. rules, um, or maybe even make a cube out of it. Oh, that seems like it would be cool. That's cool. So you can always play it over and over again. I like that a lot. Do you, is the cube like... <laughs> 
you draft it like normal or is no 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 i think you just take two yeah. things randomly and then be like oh this is my deck for this time that's cool like and you that. have to have like little deck lists and stuff so you can separate them again <laughs> all right <laughs> well if you want to get your hands on jumpstart you can pre-order it right now you can order m21 stuff as well and there's a bunch of cool cards and reprints that we know you want to get your hands on. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash commands and when you're ordering that stuff because you really are simultaneously getting the cards that you're going to buy anyway, but also supporting all of our content, including this show and game nights. It really does help us out a lot. Yeah. And you know what? If you do decide to make a cube, you're going to need to buy a lot of sleeves. And oh, yeah. Those a lot sleeves for a cube. need to be durable. They need to stand the test of time. And Josh and I trust Ultra Pro to do that for us. The Eclipse sleeves that they make are some of our favorites. Uh, a lot of my decks, I, in fact, I still have the same 40 cards, uh, 40 sleeves from my limited decks. When I oh, your drafting. draft set? I have had them for three years now. All right, and they've gone a little dirty, but you can just scrape it off, and it's like, wow, they still hold up. No, no tear is nothing. So we really do trust Ultra Pro product. If you go and purchase Ultra Pro product off of cardcame.com/slash/commandzone or for your local game store, you are also supporting our show. You know, I have my uh, Sriracha sleeves, yeah, which are using the Eclipse technology. So they're like they're like the guild theme sleeves or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're glossy, so like you said, every once in a while you have to wipe them down, but they're. St- so sturdy like i've had those same sleeves for like seven pre-releases it's insane they just have lasted forever spicy yeah all right uh now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic not me not it wait i did it last time you did it last time (laughs) yeah i did the wire oh that's right (laughs) have you guys heard about the wire let's just do it again okay okay let's think here what is something that i love you know what it's on netflix now avatar the last airbender Uh, has returned to netflix not the M night because that's also on Netflix. Oh gosh, I think you know there should be a rule where if you put one on, you have to get rid yeah. of the other. Yeah, because <laughs> he's talking about the animated series. Yes, the animated series, Nickelodeon series, three seasons. This is one of the best shows just ever created, in my opinion. Um, it every episode, it doesn't matter how old you are, the humor, the style of the animation is high quality. All the characters are great, and they have a bunch of great messaging in there as well. And it's just a really fun adventure. Um, it's about a world where there is a mythical being, a, a human person that's called the Avatar that's able to master all four elements. They can firebend, waterbend, earthbend, and airbend, and they're there to restore peace to the world. But a hundred years ago, he went missing, and the Fire Nation attacked the rest of the world and took over while the balance was unable to be controlled, and we start our adventure in the northern tribes of the water tribes as two young adventurers discover what they believe to be is the Avatar. And then the Fire Nation attacked. And then the Fire Nation just kept attacking, actually. They you didn't know, stop I'm going to make you really sad. I haven't watched the animated series, <gasps> but I have watched no! the M- <laughs> I'm sorry. No, stop. Don't, no, I'm no, no, sorry. no, no, no. Reverse. Everyone, everyone click 20 seconds back and just... Don't pretend. watch the live action movie. Really don't. don't. Do it. Really don't. Just I'm, really don't. I'm not even... Like, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, just do it just to see it and see what happened. But no, in this case... Don't do it. Don't. And I'm, I really don't like criticizing movies and stuff because I know how hard they are to make, yeah. but that movie's really bad. It is bad. Okay. Um, on that note, something that's not bad is our <laughs> editing graphics and logistics team. These people are actually awesome. I'm talking, of course, about Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Estaca, and Sam Waldo. If you notice, we have a new montage ending the podcast. Yeah. That's all the animation. Not all of them. That's just a bunch of animations that Sam has done because we decided we, we could use those again. You know, a lot of them are probably never going to get... That probably, I know, right? They're probably never going It's in there. We'll probably yeah, see yeah. that on Game Nights at some point. What do you think is your favorite of the ones in the new one at the end? Because I have a couple of favorites in there. Uh, well, tell me. What's your favorite? I love the Wellbender. Yeah, it's so it's it's, it's the uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I like Uro. 
He's like, oh, yeah. right and into and the lightning the crashes. Yeah. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, if you guys listen to us for about another 20 seconds, you'll see that. But first, we have to special thanks out to Jeffrey Palmer, who provides the living card animations that live behind us here on set. And they begin the show and no longer end the show. Sorry, Jeffrey. We still got you at the beginning, but we had to give some love to Sam at the end. But go ahead and follow Jeffrey on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>